Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We start our series this morning called The Songs of Summer. And uh, over this process of the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to examine some of our Psalms and just, uh, just dig a little deeper in there and uh, hopefully bring some levels of revelation to you that maybe uh, change the game for you. That's the goal. Um, I, uh, when we had the meeting, it's a preacher's meeting. We have a preacher's meeting. Sounds really official, doesn't it? We have a preacher's meeting. Um, uh, basically, we just sit around the table and go, what do you want to preach on? Um, and uh, I said, oh, we're doing Psalms, man. I want Psalms 100. I'd never preached out of Psalms 100 before, but in my devotions in the week leading up, I, uh, I read this psalm and just something about it gripped me, you know. Um, and so this morning I want to share with you, take you on a little bit of a journey with me. Is that cool? A little bit of journey of some of the things I discovered in Psalms 100. How, how many of you uh, read the Bible and you just kind of gloss over it? Let's be honest. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> how many of you just read the Bible? That's good. Yep, yeah, close the Bible. Uh, I, I, I'm guilty. I've done it 100,000 times. Obviously, you're all more spiritual than me. Um, but, uh, you know, I've done it 100 times where you read the, the passage and you don't really think about the meaning or anything behind it. You just read the passage. That's eh, cool. But what I discovered is, is when you take the time just to dig just a little, a little deeper, uh, it's amazing what you find if you, if, if you start to dig into the metaphors and the methodology of the way that the message is expressed and the way things are communicated, it's all very deliberate and it's all very strategic. And God is a deliberate God. If you look at the person next to you, he did that on purpose. Um, I know it's hard to believe for some of you, but he did that on purpose. No. Um, husbands, look at your wife. He did that on purpose. You should be thankful to him for that. He did that on purpose, right? Um, Bless God, yeah, Mog. Amen, right? It's good preaching. Uh, and, uh, and so I want to talk about Psalm 100. It's, you know, the Psalms were originally songs. They were written to be sung. Uh, and quite often, if you've got one of them fancy Bibles, they'll have instructions to the worship leader in the top of the thing. It's pretty cool. Um, but uh, often they were Psalms and songs that were written to exhort and build up and edify the body. There were, there were psalms that were written out of personal struggles and, 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 and different situations that people were walking through. There's quite a few from David uh, in the cave of Adullam and, and through different journeys and areas of his life where he cried out to God uh, at, different, at different points of the journey. Uh, oftentimes, there's a level of instruction incorporated into those verses for us, the church. Uh, and quite often, it'll say uh, the house of Israel or the people of God. Uh, and so I want to read uh, Psalm 100 with new eyes. Is that all right? Can we read it uh, with new, new eyes and a new vision to see? I, I'm pretty much going to camp out in verse 4 this morning. But I'm going to read all five because it's not often that you preach out of a book in the Bible that's only got five verses in it, right? There's five verses in this chapter. Um, and I just feel like, hey, look, I read a whole chapter of the Bible today. All right? If nothing else, you read a whole chapter today. So uh, we're going to read it again. Shout with joy. To the Lord, all the earth. Uh, to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each. 
generation. God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you'd open our eyes to see things we've never seen before, that you'd challenge and change us from the inside out, that we would leave this place bigger than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Five little verses. I'm going to take you, if I can, on my journey. This is how I kind of read it and where I started, and, and then we're going to camp out in verse four for a little bit. Is that all right? Really? It's okay with Moggy, but how about the rest of you? Are you all, all good? Yeah, cool. Awesome. I love you, Mog. I don't know where we'd be as preachers without Moggy yelling at us on the front row. Um, but there we go. First thing. The thing I noticed about this book, the thing that first impacted me, is it doesn't just deal with actions. It, it, says, it says, shout with joy to the Lord. It doesn't say, shout with joy, all you extroverts. It doesn't say, shout with joy, if you feel like it. It doesn't say, shout with joy, when things are going well. It says, shout with joy. It deals with an action, but it also deals with an attitude. You ever heard the saying, your attitude will determine your altitude? There is no more place where that is true than in the body of Christ. God is concerned a lot with our attitude, not just with the outworking of what we do with our hands. God loves a what giver, a cheerful giver. God is interested in the attitude behind which we do things. He is less interested in outcomes than people are and more interested in the why that sits beyond the what. God is interested in your attitude. So when we come into church on a Sunday morning, thinking and feeling like we've done God a favour by rocking up to church this morning, you should just be thankful that I'm here. Don't expect any raising of hands this morning. You might as well have stayed home. Because God is interested in the attitude with which you go about things. Shout to God. No, shout with joy. The instruction refers to not just the action and the outworking, but the attitude with which you attach that thing to. Shout with joy. The second thing that struck me is it's not a verse that's written just to the church. It doesn't say shout with joy, people of God. It says shout to God with joy, all the earth. This is a command for everybody. I'm like, wow, God's preaching to like the world. That should fill your heart with vision. That there is going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit where a universal command like shout to God all the earth means something. And my Bible says, I don't know about your Bible, my Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I'm just going to get me a head start up in there. Just saying. It's not just for the church. Worship the Lord with gladness. Oh, it's an action and an attitude. Worship the Lord, yes, with gladness. Oh, <sighs> okay, God. I, yeah, praise God. It's good to be in church this morning. <sighs> Can I get a coffee yet? Worship the Lord with gladness. Some of you got a revelation down in here, you just haven't informed your face yet. If the revelation can make its way from here to here, we'd be halfway there. I'd like to go and shake that person's hand and say, good to see you in church, but I'm afraid of them. 
they look angry. If, honestly, if people saw the expression on your face, would they want what you have? You need Jesus. Not if he does that to you, I don't. Is he going to make me look like that? Because I was having a good day. If I'm going to end up looking like that, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till I'm having a bad day. Some of us need to get a, a gladness going on the inside that bubbles its way up and, and just lets your face know that you've got something to be glad about. You know, I, I love the kind of believer that, that they walk in with a smile and you go, man, you must have had a great week. And they're like, no, nah, it was rubbish. It was the worst week ever, but God is amazing. That's the kind of believer I want to be around. Um, worship the Lord with gladness. Gladness, gladness. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. Where's your gladness? Have you lost your gladness? Do you come to church with gladness on a Sunday morning? Do you come to, man, it's good to be in church this morning. I get to see Norm this morning. Norm always makes me smile. You should meet Norm. If you'll come to church, Grumpy, meet Norm. You can't stay grumpy around Norm. He makes you smile. Meet some of the people around you that come with gladness. Get some victory. Meet Andre. Andre makes me laugh all the time. He's always got a smile on his face. Good week, Andre. No, it was terrible. God's amazing. So good. I need to be around people like that. Worship the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord with gladness. It's an action. It's an attitude. Come before him singing with joy. So it's not just a Pentecostal thing. Why, why do we do songs at church? Because the Bible says, come before him with singing. It's not just, well, this is how we do church here. It's just part of biblical pattern that we're talking about here, that God requires from us certain things. God has given us instruction on how he likes to be loved. Come before him. I love this next bit. It says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There's so much in that. I could preach a whole message just out of that verse, which is what I'm going to do with the next verse, but I could preach a whole message out of there. It says, uh, acknowledge that the Lord is God. See, when you acknowledge that the Lord is God, then you have an origin story. Uh, and if the Lord is God and He made us, then we would have to extrapolate from that that uh, what He makes is good because He said so in Genesis. He said the Lord made this and then He said it's good. And then He made this. He said it's good. And then He made that and He said it's very good. So from that, you would have to extrapolate that you are very good, that He made you, and all of a sudden there's a praise starting to come up inside my heart that, you know what, I'm very good. I, I might have had a bad week. I, I might have blown some things or got some things wrong or stuffed some things up, but I am very good because the Bible tells me that I'm very good. But, but you see, if we undermine that the Lord is God, then we've got nothing to build on. That's why the attack comes on Genesis through creationism and evolutionism and all the rest of it. The attack comes on who God is. Because if I can take away who God is, then nothing you build on top of that revelation has any value. That's why we've got to fiercely protect and hold on to the fact that the Lord is God. I'm excited. And not only did He make us and He doesn't make any rubbish... But we are His. Ooh. Anybody ever felt like they don't belong? I, f I feel like it's, it's a Toy Story moment, right? You should look at the bottom of your shoe. It doesn't say Andy. It says Jesus. 
Uh, I always belong, whether I feel like I belong or not, because acknowledging the Lord is God means I have to acknowledge that He made me. And because He made me, I belong to Him. And at that point, identity, at that point, value, at that point, understanding where I fit and who I am. See, there's no self-esteem issues. If I understand I am His, He made me, and He is God. It's it's a progression that we need. to. I I feel like we would have less self-esteem issues if we knew a little bit more about this. We are His people. We are His and we are His people. I am His and we are His people, which means regardless of what my circumstance would say, I got family. Because if He made me and He made you, that means we're family, right? I got four kids. They're family because I made them. They're mine. They belong together. They're a set. So you look at the weirdness sitting in your row. Bad luck. He made you. You go together. You're a set. You're a collection. Weird, I know, but you belong with each other. I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this. And the sheep of his pasture. You know what that means? That means that he provides your needs because the shepherd always provides for the needs of the sheep, right? So if the Lord is God and He made me and I am His and we belong together and He's going to provide for me, man, I think I've got some things to give Him some praise about right about now. Now I understand why we're shouting and now I get it. I understand. I understand. It's good. You see how much stuff is in this? There's a lot of stuff in this, right? Anyway. We're going to get, I'm going to, that's my introduction. Everyone good? Still with me? All right. We're going to get through this quick. Oh, help me, Jesus. Um, verse number four. Verse number four. We're going to preach this out of verse number four. We're just going to preach out of verse number four. It's good. It's a good verse, right? It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his gates. To enter is to come in. And in coming in, a couple of things happen. In order to come in, I have to leave where I was before. I can't come inside church and still be in the car park. Because once I enter in, I'm in a different place to what I was before. Makes sense, right? Enter in. The minute I enter in, I exit out. Have you ever been in a situation or a circumstance you wish you could exit out of? The way to exit out is to enter in. That's how you get from where you are to where you want to be. In order to get into the next thing, you have to get out of the last thing. Enter in. See, enter into his gates. What are gates? Every time I hear that word gates, I think of the castle. You think of the castle? Daryl, put the gates around the back, mate. <laughs> think about that moment. Daryl, put the gates around the back, mate. I think I think about that moment. I'm sorry, I just can't help it. You know? I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. Daryl, I know you did it. Put the gates around the back, mate. Classic moment. If you don't know it, don't go home and watch the castle. It's a horrible movie. There's terrible language in it, but it's just a very funny moment. Anyway. <laughs> enter his gates. The second word, enter his. His Whose? His. Enter 
his gates. Oh, his gates. Speaks of ownership, right? My gates at my house, you don't enter my gates at my house without permission. That's called trespassing. Right? Plus, my dog will maul you to death. You don't enter in. He won't mean to. He's just loving on you with his mouth open and all those razor-sharp teeth. Uh, it's a bad day right there. 26, 27 kilos of muscle just going to run into you. Hand-eye coordination, poor eye coordination, not good. Um, enter in to his gates. Enter his gates. It belongs to him. It's his domain. It's his area. It's his, when you come into my backyard, that's my property. When you come through the gate into my backyard, that's my property. Well, what are gates? See, I might think a little bit weird. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I started thinking about gates and what do gates signify? Well, gates signify ownership. If you come into my gates, you're in the part of the property that I own. Gates speak about boundary. The, the gates help define where I begin and where I end. You can walk past my house on the street, that's fine. But if you enter my gates, that's a whole another level of you're in my space now. And if you're there without permission, it's going to be a very bad day at that point. Unless you're the lawnmower man, we're going to have an issue. Um, gates also speak of dominion. See, everything inside those gates I'm responsible for. The, the council might be responsible for the nature strip out the front, but behind the gates, that's me. That's, that's my responsibility back there. Uh, the, the gates also speak about protection. See, I put the gates up there to protect you from my dog <laughs> and to protect my children when they play in the backyard from people, crazy people in the street, right? Yeah, when you're playing in the backyard, mum and dad said, all right, play in the backyard. Don't go past the gates, right? That was the thing. Why not past the gates? Because I don't know what happens outside of those gates, but I know that everything inside of those gates is safe and you're not going to hurt yourself and nobody can get in there to run amok with you. And so if you stay inside the gates, then you're safe. Enter his gates. When you enter his gates, he says, now you're under my protection. Uh, when you enter his gates, he says, now you're in my backyard. Uh, when you enter his gates, he says, now I know everything that's inside the boundaries here. And if you stay inside here, then you're safe. If you stay inside here, then I got you back and I can keep an eye on you. It's when you get outside the gates, I can't keep an eye on you anymore. But inside the gates, then, you, then you're under my protection there. Enter his gates. His gates. Exit the front yard. Enter his gates. Exit the prison of my own making. Enter his gates. Exit my unforgiveness and bitterness and enter his gates. And abide within the place where his boundaries exist. Uh, where do you find gates? Well, normally gates are in a fence, right? How do you get through a fence? You use the gate. How do you get through a fence? Use the gate. You can't stay offended at somebody while you're praising God for the grace that forgave you. You can't stay upset and bitter at somebody while you're praising God for the fact that He's brought you through your own brokenness and situation. You can't stand there knowing the things that you've done to offend God and hold a grudge against somebody else who's done something that seems like such a small thing in comparison to the fact that he had to go to the cross to pay for yours. Yeah. 
That's why you've got to get your praise on. Because <laughs> you've got to get through your fence and inside the gates. Enter his gates. His gates. The message Bible says, enter his gates. The password is thank you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's not like I'm going to come in because I've got thanksgiving in my heart. No, it's good. I'm going to give thanksgiving and that's the password that's going to get me past the gatekeeper. He doesn't want to be around somebody who doesn't know how to praise. He doesn't want anybody coming in to rain on his parade. He says, you can come in my backyard, but you best get your praise on. It's like your backstage pass. You only get here with a thank you on your lips. You only get here with a thank you in your heart. You don't just get to walk in here and rain on my party. People who get through these gates, the password's thank you. The password is thank you to get in. You know, uh, um, I spent a lot of time working in, in worship teams and, and with musicians and that sort of thing. And so we, we did a lot of research on the biblical pattern for worship and praise and different things. And contrary to popular opinion, um, a lot of the things that we do in the Pentecostal church that people would determine as being Pentecostalisms, you know, raising hands and dancing and doing all that sort of stuff, they're actually biblical. They're actually found in the Scripture. Uh, we do them because the Bible says to do them. And I guarantee you that I can give you more scriptural proof that we should be doing that than standing here doing nothing. I promise you. Um, and, and in this Scripture, there are four different words that are used that we would translate in the English uh, in other parts of the Bible as just being praise. And yet in the Hebrew, it's four different words. And those four words are todah, tehillah, not tequila, tehillah. Yada and Barak. And we'll talk about them as we go. It's not Obama either. We're going to talk about that as we go through. Uh, but but Todah is the first one, and, and that's the one that's used here where it says thanksgiving. And what it means in that context is thanking God for things that He hasn't yet done. You enter into His gates by giving Him praise for the things that you're expecting Him to do that He hasn't even done yet. That's how you get in. Thank you, God, that 2016 is going to be amazing. For some of you, thank you, God, the 2015 is over. Whatever it looks like, however you've got to get your thank you on, you need to thank Him for what you're expecting. God, I thank you this year for a promotion in my work. I thank you this year for reconciliation in my family. I thank you this year for a breakthrough in my health. I thank you this year. That's how you get in. That gets you through the gate. You with me? Everyone good? I'm sorry I'm getting a bit excited. Turn to the person next to you and say, he just needs to settle down. Not going to. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Enter his gates. Enter is to come in. A way in is also a way out. God wants to give you a way out of your circumstances. Some of you need to understand that the key is praise. Rather than focusing on everything that's going wrong right now, lift up your voice and give him a praise. And you will be amazed how quickly situations and circumstances change around. Whoo! Into his gates with thanksgiving. Action, attitude. Action, attitude. Go into his courts with praise. Go into, which means you get through the gates and then you've got to go further in. Go into his courts. Speaks about intimacy and drawing deeper with God. Go into his courts. Here's the thing that blew my mind, right? Uh, his courts. What does that mean? What does that mean? Bad, bad Christmas cracker joke. Who was the first person to play tennis? 
was Moses. He served in Pharaoh's courts. Yeah, It's Christmas time. I just thought, one of those cracker jokes, we need to have one. Uh, I don't have any party hats, but if I did, I'd give them out now. Um, and probably a little plastic cat or something. Isn't that how it works? Um, anyway, go into his courts. Wow, what happens in the courts? What, what goes on there? Well, what's the courts about? What, is, what does that mean? When Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, you're in trouble, right? You just lost God. You had one job. Look after Jesus. That's your job. And they lost him. And they didn't notice for three days. We could preach a whole message about the ability to lose God in church and not realize for three days, but we're not going to do that. But when they found Jesus again, they found him in the courts teaching. When you enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise, that praise is to heal a praise, which is the extending of hands and singing praise for the things that he's done. Extending hands, see, it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a Bible thing. Extending hands to heal a praise. Thank you, God, for what you've done. That kind of praise. When you enter his courts with praise, you enter a place where God begins to teach. Uh, In the courts is where God teaches. And when you learn to praise in the middle of your situation and your circumstance, God starts to teach. He starts to teach about perspective. He starts to teach about the things that matter. He starts to teach about priority. He starts to teach about the faithfulness of God. He starts to teach about an eternal game that we're playing here, not just a short game. He starts to teach about being visionary. He starts to teach about having principles and things that get you through tough situations. He starts to teach about other people that are walking through the things that you're walking through, that your pain can be used to help them walk through what they're walking through. And all of a sudden in the courts, because I got some praise, God starts to teach. Uh, 2016, I think, is going to be a year of teaching. It's going to be a year where we we press in just a little bit more, a a year where we press in a little bit further. We came through the gates and that was good, but i got to get into the courts because I need me some teaching. I need God to begin to speak to me about some things. I need some, some wisdom and some revelation and some truth. The Bible says that when they found him, he was sitting down instructing as a 12 year old boy, instructing the religious leaders, and their minds were blown at his understanding and the depth of his revelation. That's what happens in the court. Your mind gets blown at the understanding that God brings you in the middle of your journey when you learn how to praise for what is done. When you push in just a little bit deeper and you learn to find the things that you can praise Him for in the middle of your situation, He begins to teach. The second thing that happens in the court when... The woman was caught in the act of adultery. He was sitting in the courts teaching again. And they brought this woman to him. And God exercised incredible grace at that moment. Jesus began to extend grace. You know what happens in the courts is Jesus extends grace. When you get in just a little bit deeper, you find out about the grace of God. When you learn to praise in the middle of your situation for the things that he's done and you push in just a little bit deeper, uh, you, you find his grace. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is enough. 
His grace is what I hold on to to get me through this situation and this circumstance that I find myself in because now I'm inside his gates and now, now I'm pushing into his courts. I'm just going a little bit deeper and he's teaching me some things. And, and in the midst of his teaching, I feel this overwhelming sense of God's grace. You know, the other thing about the courts is that justice can't be dealt in the courts. Sentence can be pronounced, but you've got to go outside the city wall to get your justice. That's why Jesus was crucified outside the city. Because you can't do that stuff in the courts. And Jesus is saying, come into my courts. Because in my courts, you don't have to worry about judgment. In my courts, you don't have to worry about persecution. In my courts, you don't have to worry about your sentence because your sentence has been carried out already. In my courts, you can rest in grace. The kind of grace that says, go and sin no more. The kind of grace that says, where are your accusers, woman? Who are these people who would seek to have you stoned for the things that you've done? Who are the people who would seek to point the finger at you? You don't have to worry about those things because I I found a praise that took me in. And when I got into his courts, everything changed. The third thing that happens in the courts is the courts is where the king meets with the people. He comes and he does conversation. They would come to the king and say, oh, I want this or I want that. And he would converse with them. It's where Solomon gave his reading on the baby, cut the baby in half, all that. So it was all done in the courts. It's where justice was dealt out. It's the place where the king meets with his people. And for us, when we press into his courts, that's where the king meets with his people. This year, I want it to be a year of encounter. And the encounter that I need with God is found as I push in, in my praise and find myself in his courts. And then I get to have a meeting with the king. I get to spend time with King Jesus. I get the time to push in and, and hear from him and learn from him and be with him and experience his grace and have encounter with him. And I pray that 2016 is a year of incredible encounter that we would meet with the king, but the king stays in the court. So if you want to meet with the king, you've got to get in to the court. Give thanks to him. That's yada, which means lifting up your hands in surrender. And praise his name. That's Barak, which means to bend your knees and kneel in reverence before the king. Praise His name. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Praise His name forever. Now, now we read it again and we read, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are His and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. You remember when we had that, that thing that we were doing for a while there where people would go, God is good. And then people would go, all the time. You go, all the time. God is good. And we had the answer back thing happening, right? It was like a cool thing. But we turned it into a cheesy thing. I think maybe we were robbed of something that was actually strategic for us. Maybe a truth that was lost in the process of making it cheesy we lost the fact that it was truthful. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. I don't care how cheesy it is. It's truth. God is good. 
all the time. Come on, say it with me. God is good all the time. Come on, say it like you mean it. God is good all the time. I looked up the word all in the Hebrew. It means all. All the time. So when I lost my job, is God good? When my relationship is failing and falling apart around me, is God good? Uh, when my kids who I've been praying for and seeking God for aren't in church, is God good? When my health challenges are becoming overwhelming and the report from the doctor is not awesome, is God good? When is God good? All the time? When we live like that, it changes the game, right? For the Lord is good. Full stop. It's not the Lord was good. The Lord might be good. It'd be great if the Lord was good. It's the Lord is good. Full stop. End of sentence. We don't need to say it. Let's close the book. We're done. The Lord is good. But what about my situation? Yeah, but what about your God? He is good. His unfailing love. If nothing else, you can be guaranteed that He loves you. I always say this. If, if God is all that you want, when He's all that you've got, it's enough. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. I, I wonder, I'm going to get the keyboard player. Look at that. Short-winded. Look at me go. I'm awesome. Fantastic. We're not done yet, but, you know, we're getting there. God is good all the time. He is finished. Yay! I'm going to get the keyboard player back up, but I think we've got an opportunity right in this moment to, to finish off 2015 well and to set the tone for 2016. We're going to close the chapter. It'll never be 2015 again, and everything that happened is done and dusted. Can you find a moment to praise Him for what He's done? If nothing else, praise Him for the souls that have been saved. You know, there's people sitting here in this meeting this morning that didn't know Jesus last, last Christmas, and they do now. That's worth a praise. There's, there's people sitting here this morning that have overcome incredible odds. And if you can't find something in your own life to praise Him for, just ask around. There's somebody sitting in your row or sitting in your section that's got something that you can join your praise with them and praise God for. Because God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? So we can finish 2015 on a note. But one of the things that I felt as we were... Um, as I was preparing this message and I was having a conversation with Pastor Tone, who sends his love, um, him and Kath are having a little break just while the office is closed and, and, uh, and a lot of the staff and team are uh, having a little break and it's exciting that we get to have this wonderful time at this part of the year where we get to have a little bit of a breath and a breather and, and uh, so many of our family also away, other families and stuff going away, camping and different things. It's great and it's wonderful that we can enjoy those things and, and uh, we certainly need to take those moments and opportunities when they're there. Um, but one of the things that we were having a conversation about was let's enter 2016 not carrying any of the things that we bought from 2015 as far as baggage. And the way to get through a fence is to use the gate, right? And I don't know what 2015 has been like for you. Maybe you've got a boss or a pastor. It might be one of the pastors. Oh, pastor. Maybe it's another person in the life of the church. Maybe it's a member of your family that's brought some level of disappointment or hurt 
or bitterness or unforgiveness or offense. Let's not carry that into 2016. We've got a moment right here, right now. We don't need Dr. Phil. We're good. Where we can stand together and praise our way through the gate and leave behind a place where we'd kind of set up camp in our bitterness and unforgiveness and step into his property, his domain, his authority. Say, God, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live there. I want to step through this gate, get through this fence. And live in the fullness of what God has for me. I want to press into the courts where I get to see the king. Where I get to encounter. Because in encounter, miracles happen. In encounter, breakthroughs happen. In encounter, teaching moments happen. In encounter, there's great things that happen. I want to live there in 2016. I want to live. The Bible speaks about in Hebrews, let the fruit of your lips. Fruit of your lips, right? Fruit can be quantified. Oh, I love him in my heart. Yeah, but what's the fruit of your lips? When was the last time you opened your mouth and told him? I know he can read what's in your heart. But you know what? The enemy can't. And maybe you need to let him know. You know what? Even the people in your row, they can't read what's on your mind. And maybe someone in your row needs to know that you've got something to praise about. Maybe someone in your family, you know, I grew up in environments where we were intimately involved in church and there was a lot of negative talk that happened around family dinner tables about the pastor and the groundskeeper and the children's worker and the this, the that and the other. And I watched different members of my family get jaded hearing the negative reports and leave church and leave God altogether. And I thought to myself, I wonder what it would have been like if they'd had a praise on their lips instead of a negative word, if they'd had a, a praise in their hearts instead of a criticism. I wonder, I wonder what the tone, how it would have changed. Um, and I would challenge you that what you're saying around your dinner table says more about you than it does about the person you're talking about. Amen or ouch, right? Uh, what you're saying is, is sowing things into your own life more than it is that person who doesn't even realize that you're talking about them. Uh, and the Bible says that you will reap what you sow, not what you think, not what you feel, but what you sow. Uh, let the fruit of our lips be different in 2016, yeah? Uh, I, I want 2016 to be a year of drawing in, to be a year of coming through stuff to be a year of learning, to be a year of grace and a year of encountering God like never before. Anybody with me? Come on, you can do better than that. Anybody with me? Here's the key then. Praise. The kind of todah, tehillah, yada, barak praise. The kind of song on my lips thanking him for what he's about to do. Song on my lips, thanking Him for what He's already done. Hands raised in surrender, knees bent before God in humility, saying, God, how could I hold a grudge? How could I have something to say about that person? How long do I think I'm going to hold on to this bitterness and this unforgiveness and this stuff? It's just wrecking me, but it's not doing anything to the person that I'm annoyed with. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.